Welcome, Dave. Thank you for joining us. And I'd like to cut right to the chase. Why are you so angry with Triple H? I just don't like him, you know? I don't like the guy. And since I left, all I've wanted to do was come back and have this one last match with him. And here we are. You know, Dave, with all due respect, that's a, a, a pretty vague answer. I don't like the guy. I mean, it, it seems much more deep-rooted than that. Where does this go back to? Does this go back to your days in evolution? No, no. It goes back way further than that. You know, this guy, I, I keep hearing that I, I owe my career to him, that he took me under his wing, he made me a star. And way before evolution, all this guy did was groom me to be his muscle. And that's, that's all he does. You know, his history shows that he uses people to protect him, to make him look good. DX, evolution, same thing. So that's what he did, he groomed me. He used me like some big meathead to protect him. And he held me down, he shut me out, you know, he talked down to me, underestimated me. Dave, nine years ago, 2010, you quit. You walked out on WWE at the height of your career. Do you blame Triple H for this. Why shouldn't I? And stop saying I quit. You know, people keep saying I quit. Imagine, imagine you got this guy who's supposed to be your buddy, but he's also your boss, and he's also jealous of you, and all he ever wants to do is hold you down. So I'm, you know, I'm trying to achieve things within the company, and I got someone who's jealous of me and insecure of me, and knows he can't beat me, and just, you know, won't give me a fair opportunity. So yeah, I left because of Hunter. You know, he didn't think I was a star. You know, didn't think I was a big enough star to be there on top of the company. But look what I've accomplished since I left the company. Worldwide fame, movie star status. I got to the point where now I'm in control. I put myself in a position of control without him. So well, here I am demanding the match that I deserve. And now I'm getting it. It's that simple. Dave, I have to be honest. I've known Triple H for over 20 years. He's been nothing but fair to me in my career. And, and, and not just me, but look what he's done for superstars at NXT. And then what is, what is wrong with you? I mean, what is your malfunction? Cerebral assassin. Where do you think that came from? He's got you fooled, man. He's got you all fooled. That's what he does. This man is the most insecure, selfish, jealous, control freak I've ever met. That's who the real Triple H is. So I'm gonna predict two things before I wrap this, this interview up. First thing, one day, hopefully soon, Vince is gonna wake up and fire his ass and end his professional career. And at WrestleMania, pay attention. I'm gonna end his in-ring career. Interview over. Get out of my office.
Get out of my office! I just want to say what's on the mind of everyone all over the world, and that's Kobe Kingston. Congratulations. What you have accomplished is nothing short of miraculous thus far. And Kobe, you're going to WrestleMania. Amen. You're going to WrestleMania as long as you can defeat this one last opponent. Are you kidding me? And Xavier, you and Big E must leave the premises immediately, otherwise Kofi would forfeit his opportunity. Why? This is the most ridiculous. And just one other thing, I mean this from the bottom of my heart, Kofi, good luck. Good, good luck? What's what? For what? No. What? No. You're telling me beating five men in one night wasn't enough. Competing for over 55 minutes. Now Kofi Kingston has to beat the WWE Champion? The people still believe. You have every reason to believe. I still believe as well. After what I've seen this man, Kofi Kingston, go through. Brian went for the kick, Kofi Kingston, hold on! No! SOS! Get up, get up! Oh, Kofi nearly did it! Well, you can see Kofi didn't even get everything behind the SOS, could barely rotate his Come own on. body, might have hurt himself in the process. Come on, Kofi, regroup, you got Daniel Bryan on the ropes right now. Now the new Daniel oh. Bryan crashing into the corner, Bryan with a full head of steam, trying to crush Kofi Kingston's WrestleMania dream. Wait, 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 oh, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, Kofi! Oh, what a kick out by Brian! We've been saying it all night long, we don't know how, but Kofi, with every single curveball, oh. is still surviving. Right, Kofi, wait a minute, still trying to find the energy, Brian evaded. That might have been a last gasp effort. If, if, if you believe in miracles, you might believe Kofi still has a chance, oh, oh, but no. Daniel Bryan's trying to remove all doubt, all hope. Shots right to the face of Kofi Kingston, who could be out. And now Daniel Bryan mocking the WWE Universe with a yes chant. Oh, Kofi, shake it off, shake it off. Oh, Bryan has got Kofi in his sights, oh. and the running knee obliterates oh, Kofi Kick Kingston. Out. Kick out! Kofi Kingston is not going to WrestleMania. Got it. Here is your winner, the WWE Champion, the new Daniel Bryan. Out here tonight and announce the main event of NXT TakeOver New York. An epic match, a match years in the making, a match between Johnny Gargano and the NXT Champion, Tommaso Ciampa. But the truth is,
Reality has made that match an impossibility. For Tommaso Ciampa, the dream has been put on hold because reality has dictated that he need neck surgery, surgery that has already taken place. So tonight, he sits in a hospital with a neck brace on and has had to relinquish the NXT championship. The beautiful part of NXT is that when one dream ends, another dream begins. That dream begins right here tonight. The dream continues on for Johnny Gargano as he goes to New York City to compete for the NXT Championship. But against who? We will find out right here tonight when five men will step into this ring. Former champions, Ricochet, Adam Cole, Alistair Black, the current North American champion, Velveteen Dream, and the undefeated Matt Riddle. Those five men will step into this ring with an opportunity, an opportunity to live their dream, to go to NXT TakeOver New York on the biggest stage of them all and compete for the NXT Championship against Johnny Gargano. But that match needs to be decisive, so it will be two out of three falls. The winner of that match will walk out of New York and walk into the history books as the new NXT champion. Welcome to another edition of In Ring Reality. I, of course, am your host, Rathman's Reality, and I am back in action in your subscription feeds with a new episode after a week's absence. For those of you that don't follow me on social media, which you totally should, so you can get updates on this show as they happen, the long and short of it is just life got in the way. Last Saturday, I had a horrible, horrible case of sinuses. And all of this past week, my niece has been around. So I just haven't had the ability to record. So what we are going to do today, as you've seen by the title, as you've heard from the different, slightly different, that is, intro, what we're going to do today is we're going to do a one-time only WWE Weekend Television Review episode. We're going to talk about Raw SmackDown, and both brands of NXT all in one episode. And then on Saturday, we're going to get back to your news and mailbag edition. And I'm just going to take all of the mailbag questions that were due to be broadcast last week and put them in this week's show. So that's what's happening. And before I jump into it, I would like to know from you. You can get in touch with the show via our email, Twitter, 
or Instagram at inrealitypodcast at gmail.com at inrealitypodcast on Instagram or at inrealpod on Twitter. I would like to know from you, should this ever happen again, where I'm not able to maintain the schedule and I have to combine certain shows, would it sound better to keep the traditional intro of having the WWE audio, the best audio from each show, in my opinion, playing before the bell rings and then going straight into the show like I'm doing here today? Or would it have sounded better for me to do one intro, have the bell ring, talk about one show, and then go in to another clip from the other show and fade back into talking? I wasn't quite sure how much to break from tradition because it's the first time we've had to do something like this. So let me know which format you would prefer in case we're ever in need of doing another mega show. So Money at Raw this week kicked off with the attack of Drew McIntyre by Seth Rollins who then confronted Universal Champion Brock Lesnar. This was a hard hitting way, no pun intended, to begin the show and really made it feel like it's going to be a hot, hot start to the program. Brock Lesnar didn't do his part to follow through with that heat as he looked like he could care less, but again, that's not necessarily a bad thing because that's who the Brock Lesnar character is. I like this beginning, but unfortunately this was not that strong of a show and after this, other than the segment we played with the Batista interview, I felt like this show did nothing but plummet downhill. And I hate saying that. It would not be an episode of Monday Night Raw without a random willy-nilly tag team being thrown together. This time it was Finn Balor and Braun Strowman defeating Intercontinental Champion Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush. It looks like Ben Baylor and Bobby Lashley may indeed be going at it at WrestleMania. Although I still hope that rumors about Finn Baylor and The Undertaker end up being true. But with two weeks to go, it seems less and less likely to be the case. I guess we will all just have to wait and see what happens. Speaking of Braun Strowman though, as it's not in my run sheet, I realized that I was going to gloss over it. So I just want to quickly talk about how far Braun Strowman has fallen and how pathetic it is to see. It really seems like they are building toward an interaction between Braun Strowman and these two SNL guys in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. This was a guy that was hotter than the proverbial metaphorical firecracker not too long ago. There has never been a more modern example of falling so far, so fast, and I hate it for Braun. Why didn't they strike the iron while it was hot on him? It makes absolutely no sense, and I'm so sad for Braun Strowman. Elias defeated newly green, braided man, No Way Jose, who disguises himself in his own conga line, which was a bit strange to get a jump on Elias after Elias appeared on a moment of bliss, assured by Alexa Bliss that Elias would not get interrupted. Before this, Elias announced himself 
as the headlining musical act for this year's WrestleMania. Of course, that's just leading to a segment. There's no way in the world that Elias would actually be the headlining musical act for WrestleMania. But it's nice to see that Elias will be featured even though he most likely will not be competing in a matchup. The funniest thing in this whole segment was once again the interaction between Alexa Bliss and Heavy Machinery, in particular Otis, the former Otis Dozovich. So I would really like to see Alexa Bliss become some kind of manager for Heavy Machinery if she's not going to be cleared to wrestle. But we'll have to wait and see if that ends up being the case. Kurt Angle then had a cracking match. In my opinion, the best bell-to-bell -bell match all night long on Monday Night Raw this week as he defeated a man who many people felt when they did that Kurt Angle's illegitimate shun storyline should have been the choice and not his former partner, Jason Jordan, Chad Gable. Amazing match. The two, as you would expect, really complemented each other. If you're going to go out of your way to see one thing from this past week's Raw, I highly, highly recommend that this would be said thing. Unfortunately, it was proceeded by the biggest letdown of the night as Kurt Angle announces his opponent for his retirement match at WrestleMania, and it's going to be Baron Flippin' Corbin. That's right, they're going to pay off that ridiculous general manager thing with a match at WrestleMania, which would be fine, except for the fact that it's Kurt Angle's last match. Justin Lombard has sworn up and down that this isn't going to be the case, that WWE is swerving us. Simon Miller of Vault Culture did a video saying he believes it's going to be the same thing. I hope to gosh that this ends up being the case because if it truly is Kurt Angle versus Baron Corbin I get WWE that you want Baron Corbin on the card because it's Wrestlemania but Angle versus Corbin would be a huge huge letdown for Angle's final match Angle deserves so much better in terms of respect than that right there so I have to wait and see whether or not Kurt Angle is truly forced to face the true definition of a mid-carder at WrestleMania. The WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, the Boston Hell Connection, Sasha Banks and Bayley were up next, cutting a promo, talking about how they're going to SmackDown this week to face the Iconics and answer their challenge. The two are then confronted by Beth Phoenix and Natalia, and Beth Phoenix proceeds to announce that she will be coming out of retirement to team up with Natalia and the two of them want to fulfill a dream that they always had together. They want to challenge the Boston Hub Connection at WrestleMania for the tag team titles. The Samoan Slaughterhouse, Tamina and Nia Jax then come out. Nia Jax says, the only reason you're coming back at WrestleMania is because you're scared of me. I'm the bigger, badder, better version of the Glamazon. To Beth Phoenix, this segment kind of fell flat, but it's officially now a triple threat match. And after what happened on SmackDown, which we'll get into when we get to SmackDown, of course, but it looks like it's going to be a fatal 
four-way for the women's tag team titles. At the very least, if a team from NXT does not get thrown in there. So it's good to see them taking the women's tag team titles this seriously at WrestleMania. Even though I'm not really in to Beth Phoenix sort of coming out of nowhere just because there's a women's tag team championship. But it is what it is. And Beth Phoenix was one of the better workers in her era. So I'll have to wait and see where this goes. Next up, in my opinion, was one of the worst booking decisions of the night on Monday Night Raw as Jinder Mahal was booked in a match with the one and only Ricochet. Ricochet, as he should have, gets the victory here, but Jinder Mahal is the furthest thing from Ricochet's style. He's probably the one guy that can manage to make a Ricochet match boring. I don't remember much about this contest, and had I not in preparation, as I do each and every week for in-ring reality, taking notes on each program, I probably would have forgotten all about this matchup. Next up, believe it or not, three weeks out from WrestleMania, the Raw Women's Championship was on the line as they pay off the interaction between Dana Brooke and Ronda Rousey from a week ago. Dana Brooke gets a shot at the Raw Women's Championship. And just a side note, I know others have probably said this this week, but I just have to point it out as well. I thought it was really, really almost sad, is the best way to put it, that this interaction between Dana and Ronda had a better build for a championship match than did Ronda versus Ruby Riot at the last WWE pay-per-view WWE Fastlane. Nonetheless, it did not pay off, or I should say it paid off better than what you would expect it to pay off. And instead of a competitive match between Dana Brooke and Ronda Rousey, instead we got Ronda defeating Dana Brooke with the armbar submission and what I believe was about 18 seconds if I was able to count it right on the quick rewatch of the segment. This was brilliant. This continues to build Hill Ronda up so well. Ronda beats up security, beats up referees. Even her husband, Travis Brown, gets involved taking down security. Ronda continues to prove that she cannot be controlled by WWE no matter what they do to her in terms of fines. The only thing that would have made this better was a segment that also featured the appearance of her WrestleMania challengers, Charlotte Flair and the man, Becky Lynch. But we'll get into that more when we talk about SmackDown this week. In a not-so-surprising move, after the announcement from earlier in the night, Baron Corbin is featured in a match with Apollo Crews, who is standing up for Kurt Angle after the two of them had a really good match a couple of weeks ago. Apollo Crews picks up the victory here after Baron Corbin is too full of himself being chosen as the man who's going to retire Kurt Angle. So, this doesn't make Baron Corbin look very good going into a match with Kurt Angle. Yet more reason why it shouldn't happen. But I'm always happy to see Apollo Crews get some respect because he's always, always deserved it. He's a heck of a talent. Next, it was the segment that you heard to kick off the program as Batista 
does a satellite interview with Michael Cole from what presumably is his home in Tampa, Florida. The setting here looked like something off a Hollywood set. It was very, very well done. And Batista shows off his great acting skills as his motivations for wanting to face Triple H are very, very believable. And what I thought was going to be one of the weaker points of this feud, which was the decision to have Batista be the heel and not Triple H, ends up actually helping the situation with this feud, I believe. So well done yet again by WWE with this segment. And in my opinion, the final thing of note from Monday Night Raw this week was the main event segment as Drew McIntyre cuts a promo on Roman Reigns, confirming that he wants to face Reigns at WrestleMania, and he challenges Reigns to a fight, only to then face Reigns' shield brother, Seth Rollins, who loses the match to Drew McIntyre. So, yay for Drew. Good job of building up Drew as a credible opponent for Roman Reigns, as Drew has kind of fallen flat the last couple of months, but he did it at the expense of the guy who is facing off for the Universal Championship at Mania. Granted, it happened because of a distraction from said champion, Brock Lesnar, but I think it would have been far more effective to have Reigns come out if Reigns was healthy. Maybe he's not healthy. Maybe he's taking lesser dates, as he speculated on in the last week's show. Maybe he's taking it slow with his leukemia return, which is perfectly fine, but it would have been far more effective to either have Roman or Dean come out, cause this thing to be a no contest, and then have the distraction confrontation between Lester and Rollins, rather than have Rollins do the job here. But it is what it is. New McIntyre once again gets the victory, and that was your Monday Night Raw for this week. By far the weakest show of the week from WWE. If I hadn't have had to take notes on this show, I probably wouldn't remember anything about it. I was not engaged at all in this show, and I just thought it was one of the worst Raws of the year, which is a real shame with us being so close to WrestleMania. Smackdown Live began the week with a promo from The Miz, who was incredibly over as a babyface. He's really taken the ball and really, really run so well with it as a face. I love each and every second of this. His promo was very impassionate about what Shane McMahon did and Shane McMahon's motivation for what he did. Calling Shane just as bad as his father Vince. Telling Shane he may own this company, but he doesn't own him and he doesn't own Kofi Kingston, which was both a great thing to see, faces supporting faces, and a definite foreshadowing for what Vince would do, as we heard in the opening in the main event. But of course, we'll get to that when it's time for the main event. But Miz was great here. Really, really invested in Shane McMahon versus The Miz. I think they've done a brilliant job from those two as a tag team and Miz's motivations behind that. 
did what Shane McMahon said last week when I was there. I had SmackDown to now this. This is one of the better matches by far already on the card for WrestleMania. As I alluded to in the Raw discussion, there was something that played down on SmackDown as the Boston Hawk Connection, the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, Sasha Banks and Bailey did indeed go to SmackDown as they promised to face the Iconics who get the victory here. That's right, the Iconics pin your WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. So it would appear as though the Iconics are going to be added to this match between the Boss and Hug Connection, the Samoan Slaughterhouse, and Beth Phoenix and Natalya at WrestleMania. Will it remain only these teams, or will it be a team from NXT, possibly the Sky Pirates, Avio Shirai, and Kyrie Sane, depending on what happens at NXT TakeOver New York, that are added to the match? Either way, it is very exciting. It's good to finally see the Iconics get some respect on the main roster. It's long, long deserved. Really happy to have seen this matchup go down the way it did. The thing that I did not enjoy from it, however, was that WWE did not do a very good job of letting us know whether or not this was for the women's tag team titles or not. I saw a lot of confusion from a lot of my friends that are WWE supporters as to whether or not the Iconics were tag team champions and even some disappointment that they didn't become tag team champions. So please do a better job of making your matchups clear in the future WWE. The Kevin Owens show returns with all new updated graphics as KO welcomes to the show on SmackDown Live, the man, Becky Lynch, and the queen, Charlotte Flair. Now, I didn't have a bit of a problem with this segment. Yes, everybody knows I'm a little bit Becky Lynch biased, but taking that out of the equation, it was just so nice to finally see her be allowed to get physical and quit having to sell that bogus knee injury because she shouldn't have had to have been selling it for as long as she did. And it was great to finally see her be able to get physical against Charlotte Flair. The problem here comes with two things. One, the more simple one, is how the segment ended. Because it ended with an abrupt cut by Kevin Dunn to AJ Styles for a promo. I get that they're trying to make all of WWE seem like a more seamless, chaotic show and less of a TV show, more of a seamless transaction. That's all well and good. But when you've got a brawl going on for your most anticipated match, arguably, at WrestleMania, you cannot cut away from action, especially when your fan favorite in the man is the one on top of the situation. The other, the second, more complicated issue that comes out of this is why was this segment here on SmackDown? Why wasn't this a segment on Monday Night Raw? The fact that Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, and Ronda Rousey are being kept apart for so long may end up hurting the heat that the match has in the long term. Especially when it means that we're missing out on those great mic skills 
that Becky has against Ronda. That could be, however, exactly why we're not seeing it, because they don't want to make Ronda look too weak too soon. But I do think that it's high past time that all the women are interacting together for this feud. And I also think that it might be really, really cool, and hopefully something we do see with WrestleMania so close, to see the three women interacting on both shows, even if it's only for a short time on SmackDown, so it doesn't derail actual SmackDown programs too much. And then we get to the amazing hour-long main event of the evening as Kofi Kingston wrestles the gauntlet match for an opportunity to face Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania as he takes on The Bar separately, Sheamus and Cesaro, Daniel Bryan's vegan heavy, Rowan, the United States Champion, Samoa Joe, the Viper Randy Orton, and what ended up being the WWE Champion Daniel Bryan. I don't know what I can say about this match. It was too fast paced for me to really be able to tell you every near fall, but what I can tell you is that it was just incredible the amount of storytelling that went down in this matchup and it was just amazing to see the way that Kofi Kingston defied the odds and got the victory over each and every person with Samoa Joe being the most angry one to have lost a match having just become a dominant United States champion which was a nice little touch. Of course, like many others have said, I don't agree with the decision to have Kofi Kingston lose to Dean and Bryan here to be out of WrestleMania so close to WrestleMania. I do get that they want us to be ticked off and they want the fans guessing and they want the fans to think that Kofi Kingston is not going to get his opportunity, but I think there would have been more effective ways to do it other than have the WWE Champion just flat out beat Kofi in the middle of the ring so close to Mania. So I have to wait and see where it goes but this was an absolutely amazing match. Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan are both doing brilliant storytelling in this feud. Just could not praise what we saw on Smackdown this week anymore. Than I already have. It was just tremendously, tremendously done by WWE. NXT UK this week, the big announcement was that the NXT United Kingdom champion, the Bruiserweight Pete Dunne, will in fact be defending the UK championship in a match at NXT TakeOver New York. They kept it a mystery in the beginning as to who that opponent would be, only have the United Kingdom champion, the Bruiserweight Pete Dunne, come out and demand his match against his most credible challenger, Walter. So that match will indeed be official at NXT TakeOver New York, and I can't freaking wait to see it. Will the long-term lane of the United Kingdom champion, the Bruiserweight Pete Dunne, finally come to an end at the hands of Walter? We'll have to wait and see, but it will be an absolutely outstanding match to witness. The opening bout of the show 
So Eddie Dennis defeat Lagero. Decent matchup. I don't understand why they're having Lagero look so strong one week and so weak. Well, so strong for the last two weeks, excuse me. Misspoke there and left it unedited on purpose just to emphasize the point because it furthers what I'm saying. He spent two weeks looking really, really strong in victories and then goes out and loses a match to Eddie Dennis here. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense whatsoever if you're trying to build up Ligero as someone serious. The Hunt defeated the team of Sam Stoker and Lewis Howley. This again was a decent matchup. I have never seen The Hunt wrestle before, so I can't tell you much about them, but I really did enjoy what they did in the ring. This was a really, really, as I say, decent, solid matchup from bell to bell. To an absolutely thunderous ovation from the NXT UK faithful, the knockout artist Cassius Ono debuts in NXT UK talking about how he's there to remind people what real British wrestling is as an American. And he looks great in victory here, looking like the Cassius Ono of old as he defeats Ashton Smith. It's good to see that Cassius Ono may have finally found his niche. We'll have to wait and see where it goes long term. But for now, great to see Cassius on top in a segment in WWE. And your main event of NXT UK this week saw Tyler Bate defeat James Drake and an amazing matchups. One of the better matches I've seen on the NXT UK weekly brand for sure. If you're going to watch anything from this week's show, I would recommend that and the opening segment setting up the Walter fight to be the two things that you check out. Really great, strong victory for Bate. And of course, it sets up that maybe now we will see another encounter for the NXT UK Tag Team Championships between Mustache Mountain and James Drake and Liverpool's number one, Zach Gibson. So all in all, really strong episode of NXT UK this week. NXT this week was all about what you heard. The reaction that they had to have to the Tommaso Ciampa injury. The only match we got on the card was the main event fatal five-way match between all the participants that you heard that were in the match in the opening from Triple H. In the end, it will be Adam Cole, baby, taking on Johnny Gargano for the NXT Championship at NXT TakeOver New York. I'm really happy about this. Adam Cole is the logical choice here. They did a good job of not allowing any other man in this matchup to look weak. Ricochet and Black don't look weak as they will face the Forgotten Sons and the Yesteros Tag Team Classic Finals next week. The NXT North American Champion, the Velveteen Dream, and Matt Riddle was not pinned here. So the North American title situation between the Velveteen Dream and Matt Riddle that's likely being built toward because of what we've seen in recent weeks on NXT 
TV for NXT TakeOver New York is still very much intact. This match was everything that you would expect this match to be. Everyone looked great. Everyone hit their signature spots. Adam Cole gets the victory in a classic heel way, sneaking into the back door. Just masterpiece of a match all the way through. There was a little bit of interaction between those, the individuals who cut the promos backstage, but really the only one that I can remember that did an interview about the main event was the Sky Pirates, Kyrie Sane, and Io Shirai, who were then confronted by Bianca Belair, saying the only reason you're going to take over New York is because Shayna Baszler interfered. So that was the only other buildup that we saw on this show. But this match, as I said, was everything you would hope and expect for it to be. Just an absolutely amazing Fatal 5-Way matchup. And amazing, amazing stuff for NXT this week. So if you have not seen it, go out of your way to watch this episode. Just amazing, amazing, as I've said about 500 times over the course of five minutes. Because it truly, truly, truly was just that. That's going to do it for this special WWE Weekend TV Recap Edition of In Ring Reality. As always, you can get in touch with the show via email at inringrealitypodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at inringrealitypodcast or get in touch via Twitter with your feedback and questions on that platform by following us at inringrealpod on Twitter. And as always, this has been your Razman's Reality Check.